Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome in to episode 275 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. Sources Say is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. It's on Blazer Parkway in Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members of the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now's a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment. Just Dental Team looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined by my main guy, Sean Smith of, of Go Big Blue Country, first and foremost. Sean, welcome back. How are you? I'm fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. It's uh, good to be back. And uh, get your popcorn ready. We, we Wait, I'm not your stay. main guy? Jack, I'm no, not your main you, guy? You, you, unfortunately not. Um, we... We, we had to make this happen. So, Jeff, we go way back. We, we're, we're buds at, at, at recruiting events and, and seeing each other at media stuff. But you, you always tend to ruffle feathers at the worst time. And we, we had to make, make this happen, get you on to uh, stand behind your takes, present facts, present uh, real, real, real life substance to, to the, the offseason grades that you decided to give. John Calipari in the Kentucky basketball program. First and foremost, I appreciate you coming on. You're always a great sport, and uh, it's going to be a good time. We're looking forward to it. Listen, just be glad I didn't call the registrar to try to get your grades check. That's all. I, I kind of thought I, I was concerned there for a minute. You you were really getting like Eric Bledsoe territory of uh, – who was that? Oh, was that Andy Cash? Hey, wait, 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 wait. wait. I had Eric Bledsoe's transcript back in the day, and I chose not to put it, put it out there. I had it before I think Thamel was the one who put it out there. I had it the entire time. I would never do that to a kid and put out their actual transcript. All I did was confirm that Antonio Reeves was actually enrolled in taking classes at Illinois State because that was, listen, it was a big hot button topic at the time, was it not? Yeah, it, it was, and it, it it helped quite a bit. Uh, we got we'll get into that the the impact that Antonio Reeves returns makes the the global games as you quoted and global jam. Uh, significance or lack thereof but uh to say that this was a polarizing show when it got announced would be an understatement jeff if you just look at the comments half of them are uh get your popcorn ready we're so excited this is going to be heated this is going to be great the other half is i can't believe you're giving this this troll the attention that he's looking for all this so i just i thought it would be fair to kind of start this out by acknowledging that you are probably the most polarizing figure in the Kentucky media realm. And just to kind of give you an opportunity to either embrace that or directly uh, shoot it down. Here's what I'll say. Um, Kentucky fans are, are super passionate. Um, many of them are unrealistic because they are diehard fans. That's what a lot of diehard fans are. Some are, are, are realistic. Like, I love Kentucky fans for the most part. Um, I remember going to Kentucky Derby years ago with my wife and being scared 
to bring her. And Kentucky fans could not have been nicer in person. There's that 1%. It's not even 1%. It's probably 0.5% on Twitter that will say something that to me crosses the line, not on me, but on my family. That's the biggest thing for me. I don't give a shit what you say about me. doesn't bother me. Again, I've, I've heard most of it. Um, you call me ugly. You can say I'm a clown. You can whatever you want to do. Here's the thing I will say is there are a lot of people in the media that are 100% anti-Cal. There are, 100, there are a lot of people in the media that are 100% pro-Cal or, or probably were more, still are. I really think I've done a pretty good job, even though I have not had a relationship with John Calipari for a lot of years. Now, we kissed and made up a little bit uh, almost two years ago now. Um, but for a lot of years there, we had no no relationship whatsoever. But if you look back at what I've written, I think it's actually been pretty fair over the years. I've given him his flowers when he deserves it, and I've criticized him and the program when they've deserved it. You can ask a lot of the former players that have come through the program, have I been fair to them? I think a lot of them would say absolutely. Uh, from from John Wall, who, who I was super positive about, to DeMarcus Cousins, who, uh, yes, I criticized, and we had it out a few years ago in Vegas outside of uh, STK, and, and we kind of made up. Uh, but I've seen a lot of these kids like DeMarcus Cousins when he was a kid, and that was my biggest thing on, on Boogie was, like, have you grown up? over the years and really into the NBA with, with kind of his bitch. And again, I don't want to get off track too much, but I, I do think I wrote something, what, two and a half, three years ago when, when the fan base was ready to fire Cal coming out of the pandemic. And I said like, no, no, this is ridiculous timing. We're coming out of a pandemic. Yes, it was a shitty year, but don't run them out. Be careful what you wish for. Remember Billy Clyde, right? Like it could be worse and you may not get a great coach next this past year. I felt like we had enough uh, time to evaluate. And I thought, yes, halfway through this past year, I was like, it might be time to, to you know, kind of sever ties at this point. And it, it might have run its course. Um, we'll see this year. I think this is a pivotal year. And I think everybody would admit it's a pivotal year for John Calipari and Lexington. To to before we get to the grade itself and what led to that and, and your expectations for this upcoming season, uh, what led to the kiss and makeup moment for Cal? Where, where did the kind of the animosity between the two start, stem from? Because that that's kind of a yeah. Kentucky fans say that you just hate Cal and you're a Cal troll. Where where did that kind of the, the basis come from with that? It started actually back when it was at Memphis. Uh, I wrote a story. I'll give you the cliff notes version here. I've told it before, but there were two things that happened. One was uh, they had the number one team in the country. They're playing Tennessee. It's one versus two in Memphis. A bunch of shit had happened right before that with a bunch of players having off the court issues. Uh, Pierre Niles, I, I think, uh, allegedly punched his girlfriend, you know, uh, punched somebody in the stands. Another player, Joey Dorsey, made it rain in a club. There was all sorts of shit going on. So I wrote a column basically saying, hey, Cal, you got a chance here to do something special. Um, make sure your kids are, are bought in and, and and not making all these dumb decisions late at night. And uh, he had Derek Kellogg call me and he said, uh, he said, Cal, Cal wanted me to relay this message. You're not welcome in Memphis. So, well, you can't ban anybody from the entire city. So I'll be there this weekend for the game. That started it. The next one, and all, all of it was, was factual things that had happened out there from the players. Well, not like I did any reporting. The next one, I think, really um, 
upset him also at at uh, at Memphis. They were recruiting a kid named Abdul Gaddy, and uh, he was a top player at the time coming out of Seattle, point guard. His mother worked at FedEx. She had been there for about ten years, um, sort of a, a you know lower level employee. And the number two person at, at FedEx, David Bronzek, uh, was calling recruiting uh, her to get Abdul Gaddy to go to to Memphis. And I have these quotes on the record from her and her son. And uh, at the time I worked for Fox, their biggest um, at that point, they were the ones that sponsored the, uh, the, the BCS or they were the biggest sponsor. And uh, I ended up running the story. Obviously, Cal was not happy uh, because it did not look good for him with their biggest sponsor in Memphis. Uh, so that was kind of the tipping point. He, he That's when he, again, I've said this before, he, he's tried to get me, at least from what I've been told, uh, within the circles of Fox and uh, CBS, uh, tried to get me fired uh, at, at numerous places. And uh, but we sat down. Eric Lindsay was was kind of the the, the linchpin uh, for getting us together a couple of years ago. And you know, Cal's big thing was you know you made it personal, and my big thing was maybe I did, but again, it was based on facts. It was based on facts. Those were the, you know, the two stories I had weren't made up. I had quotes on Abdul Gaddy. Uh, the one before it prior was, was a given. I mean, it was like anybody could have written that one and should have written that one. Um, so we, we, again, we talked through it and he said, listen, I got no problem with you taking shots at me as long as it's not personal. I said, it's really never been personal Cal, but again, when you try to get me fired at multiple places, yeah, like, I'm probably not going to be the most objective person in the world at that point. Um, so uh, again, I think I've been pretty damn objective and pretty as, as far down the middle as you can be in terms of telling it both ways. I think you got a lot of media people that are one sided one way or the other. If you look back at what I've written and said, people don't want to hear it because they don't want to remember it. They, they just want to look at the, the negative things that I've said. Oh, he's a Cal hater. He's a Kentucky hater. That's bullshit. I mean, I'm not a Kentucky hater at all. I love so many of the players that have come through that program. Uh, I've I've known a lot of them, you know, been close with a lot of them, and uh, and honestly, secretly, like, cheered for, you know, again, I'm not a fan of any team. I went to Arizona. They hate me at Arizona, the fans. Hate me. I just dropped them out of the top 25 when they got Caleb Love because, honestly, I, I think it might be um, a move that hurts them more than helps Arizona. So I'm, I'm pretty down the middle, and I'm going to tell it the way I feel like it is. Obviously, I'm going to be wrong on a lot of stuff because I do have opinions, and I'm not afraid to share them. Uh, but, again, if, if you're looking, you know, for, for vanilla, somebody that, that's not going to – don't – that's not me. That's never going to be me. So let, let's get into why we're all here. Uh, your ranking – of Cal's offseason, C minus. The graphic that was put up was the D plus, and that's what went viral. Uh, very conveniently, Kentucky adds Vonamir Avisich almost immediately after that goes live. Um, you then follow up by saying you don't think it really changes a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. I guess let's start there because that's the latest. We haven't really gotten your updated take on on that. Uh, how does his addition change things, if if at all, from where where your ranking started versus where it is now? You know, obviously, I haven't seen him in person, so it's hard to give too much credence to it, right? I've talked to several NBA guys; they're split on it. Some think he's talented; he can help. 
not a guy that you can really throw it in into the post. Uh, another NBA guy that's pretty familiar with him said, like, eh, I just don't know. He's hurt a lot, um, doesn't play hard. You know, I think he's kind of an X factor, right? Like, but I don't know how much you can expect from him. It's kind of like the kid Kansas just got. Same thing, you know, Kansas staff is raving about him, you know, to people saying he can impact. But, like, I just – I don't know. Like, Kansas, for me, doesn't have the perimeter shooting. And they're hoping he can do that. But he's a freshman. He's a freshman coming in. So, like, I just think both these kids, you got to see it to believe it. And uh, it actually just so happened that we we had already scheduled out all these all these Kentucky and all these offseason grades weeks before. You can look on our YouTube channel. Doster does it all, and it happened that they got the, the kid Z, Big Z, that I think that morning. So the the ranking itself, uh, C minus, just kind of a Spark Notes version. Why why C minus uh, for for Cal's off season grade? A lot of it, I think you you talked in depth about point guard concerns, shooting concerns, yeah. and in kind of a questioning questioning uh, his methods in the in the transfer portal. Why he didn't go as as hard as some guys versus others? Uh, it's kind of give give a cliff notes version of that. I mean, if 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 I had agreed for luck, he'd get an A. You know, because, uh, again, I, I think they lucked out. I do. I, and anybody who says otherwise is out of their mind. Because, again, if Bob Huggins doesn't get fired, they don't get Trey Mitchell. If uh, if Antonio Reeves, they don't get documentation that Antonio Reeves from the NCAA, that he's not going to be eligible at the next place, Antonio Reeves is gone. He's not taking classes at Illinois State just because he likes his, his former professor over there at Illinois State. He's taking them because he's going to transfer. We know that. Nobody wants to take – listen, I, I, you know, one day, you know, years ago I went to school. I didn't like – who likes classes? Not many guys like classes enough that, hey, I'm just going to take some classes in the summer. I, that sounds like fun, right? Like, come on. He was gone. He was gone until they showed him, you know, actual documentation that he wasn't going to be eligible. So there was some luck in, in both of them, and to be honest – they address the two biggest needs for this team, right? Veteran veterans, number one, experience, because you're not winning without that these days. And number two, shooting, because Reeves is clearly your best shooter. And Trey Mitchell might be your second best shooter after watching the good old global jam. So I, I think they lucked out, and I'm not going to give him like an A because he, he, he lucked out. I, I think it was a, a, a terrible offseason plan that was salvaged by some luck, period. And, and I agree that they were lucky on Trey Mitchell, for sure. But regardless of how many left turns you take, Jeff, like we're all getting to the same point, and, and they got there. But you also got to factor into the recruiting class, number one recruiting class. How many programs are on college basketball? To me, that should be a starting point when given an offseason grade. You should start with a C-plus, given that they got the number one class, and then go from there. Yeah, I, I mean, again, Bradshaw's hurt. So we, we don't know what we can expect out of Bradshaw. I love Edwards, and I love Bradshaw. Those are the two guys I loved, to be honest, going in. Um, Dillingham and Wagner, to me, like, I still got to see it to believe it, especially with them playing together. And, and I know Dillingham came off the bench a bunch in, in Can uh, wherever they, yeah, they played in Canada. Um, so, like, Bradshaw to me is obviously right now you don't know what's going to happen with Rich Paul especially with what happened with Nick Smith last year uh, and, and how Rich Paul kind of, he got hurt. 
pulled him, rehabbed in California, put him back in, and he ended up going, what, 25th, 27th in the draft when I thought he was going to be a top 10 pick for sure. So I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I, listen, I love Reed Shepard. I do. I, like, And I like – listen, it's not like I don't like Wagner and Dillingham. I just don't like DJ Wagner as like a top five player in the country. I think he – like to me – and again, I don't love freshman point guards anyway. And I don't think Wagner's a point guard. I forget who went after me. Some dude that I've never heard of went after me about how, like, Goodman's crazy. DJ Wagner's, he doesn't think he's a point guard. I'm like, have you not watched DJ? He's not a point guard. He's not a point guard. Can he play some point? Sure. He is a scorer. That's what DJ Wagner is, a scorer, period. So I guess my rebuttal to that is I don't think what Cal is trying to do with this, this playing style, I don't think his intention is to have a pure playmaking point guard who dribbles the air out of the ball. As we dealt with this the last two seasons, uh, he was went on record, said, we need a guy who isn't going to dribble 12 times before initiating the offense with 10 seconds left on the shot clock. Again, Xavier Wheeler kind of being, being the reason for that. In an ideal world, DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, Justin Edwards, Reed Shepard, Antonio Reeves, they're not going to be dribbling more than three, four times at a time because the the point is for them to get paint touches, you know, get around the corner and and, and allow for playmaking on the outside to, to dish out or finish lobs at the rim, whatever the case is. I think the the playing style difference of what we saw in Toronto, and again, I don't I don't think it could be five on zero. It was a complete night and day difference of what we saw last year in terms of feeding inside to Oscar Sheboy. They got so one dimensional, the ball got stagnant, uh, off ball movement was terrible, and a lot of it had to do with up top at point guard with Savory Wheeler and down low at Oscar Sheboy, everything else around them, this kind of didn't fall into place the way it was supposed to. So I, I don't think you need a true traditional one on this team for what Cal's trying to do with getting back to the original dribble draft. That's my argument. Yeah, I just worry about fresh a bunch of freshmen with the ball in their hands. Now, again, Reeves is not, but but he's also not been a guy who's, you know, a lot of Reeves last year was, was kind of standing there as a catch-and-shoot guy. Um, he'll, he'll obviously have more to his game this year. Um, you know, I, I hear you and, and I agree, like obviously defensively too, they should in a way be better right without Oscar. Cause Oscar certainly hurt him, especially tournament time. I think a key is going to be how far these guys come, how far they come over the course of the year, which is generally the case with Cal's teams. They get a lot better, especially the young ones. Those guys get a lot better. I just, again, I keep going back to, all right, shooting. You still have one guy that you really trust shooting the ball from three. I know Trey Mitchell made him. I get it. It was in Canada against, you know, these teams that were full of the three of us. Um, and and other than that, uh, again, that, that, that point guard play, like just not having a guy that's done it, that you can trust, that's made good decisions – you know, I know they'll play more of the dribble drive. They've got guys like that that can get in the paint, that can get by dudes. Um, I don't know. I, again, I think they're like a top 20-ish. You could put them somewhere preseason to me, anywhere from 15 to 30, and I think that's fair right now. Yeah. I, I guess to, to, to the shooting point, 
if you look at big sam sample size of the course of college careers, high school careers, EYBL, whatever, the only guys who were real outliers with that were actually Antonio Reeves and, and Trey Mitchell. Uh, Antonio Reeves is a 40% three-point shooter, 400 attempts over his last two years. Trey Mitchell's a 35% career guy uh, on 400 attempts. Those are pretty substantial uh, uh, sample sizes. And uh, Antonio shot 56% from three, 44% for, for Trey. Uh, if you look at big picture, what Justin did, what Rob did, Rob was a, an outlier in the opposite way. He shot extremely poor, poorly. Uh, Reed Shepard shot about on par. DJ Wagner slightly above what his EYBL, uh, high school, global jam, whatever. Like, they I've were just seen all some great shooters, Jack. Jack, I've seen some really good shooters, really good high school shooters come in and struggle as, as freshmen in college. That's all I'll say. It's like, it's rare. I mean, there's some, Grady Dick did it last year, but he's an elite shooter. He's an elite. Those guys, it usually translates into college, right? The Steph Currys, the Grady Dicks. But I've seen a lot of, of good to above average perimeter shooters in high school, and then they go to college their freshman year, and they can't make shots from deep. Well, what What is a number that is elite to you or even very good? 37%, like – they they were high volume, pretty solid shooting. Like they didn't go out there and sh shoot forty five percent from three. And I guess to to counter where uh, who? Uh, who in in the global jam in no, Kentucky. In, no, no, but we, that, can't but, keep, but, but, we can't but keep references to the, the global jam. The jam. But that's my but that's my argument. If the competition was so bad, wouldn't it be a full court layup line throwing lobs to each other and dunking on five two kids? You know, well, but middle schoolers. Game plan, maybe the game plan was, hey, you know what? We know we can't win without shooting threes. Or maybe Cal wanted to figure it out. Like, how well are these guys going to be able to shoot the three against a, a clearly um, inferior talent team? I mean, you know, again, listen, I was just in, in Bahamas. Now, I didn't go there to watch basketball. I went there to hang out with my daughter and play some blackjack. And, you know, she's almost 20. So, we, we would just – I didn't see her this summer. So – because she was working, so we want to go out and hang out there. Um, but I saw a little bit. I saw Creighton team sit, play a team from the Bahamas, and uh, it, it was literally. I mean, you can't evaluate you like. There's a few teams. Some Kentucky fan went at me, and they're like, "Well, look, Kansas just lost," and I'm like, "Yeah, they lost to a team with Buddy Heald and Eric Gordon. Like those two by themselves for three, for, for the three quarters." Bahamas. Well, and for three, for three quarters. My thing is, though, had they performed poorly, you would have hammered them for it. We all would have. So if we evaluate it. It doesn't like matter. But regardless of what, what, what it is, it's irrelevant other than the team bonding. Like, that's the biggest part. Maybe with some freshmen, it might be confidence. It might be Cal getting to see certain things. But ultimately, whether you win or lose in these things, who gives a shit? Like, well, I, it doesn't matter. It wasn't the winning and losing either. It's it's the if you dive into it and look at the way Kentucky played, and a lot of people have been calling for Kentucky to be more of a modern style offense. And sure. and you look at shot cart shot charts from a year ago, there were terrible long twos. You didn't see that over the course of four games in Toronto. So that's where the evaluation to me comes into play, that's and that's fair. where I grade yeah. the off season a little bit higher okay. because of the things that fans have been they're asking for. Different. They're yeah. playing different. Yeah. And the yeah. personnel fits that. But does it? Like, yes, Reeves fits that. Does it fit shooting that many threes? To me, we'll see. 
Like they better they better be a team that doesn't shoot thirty two percent from three collectively. But you mentioned on that episode that they need Bradshaw, and I do agree with that. But if but you also said that they can get by without it if they play Trey Mitchell at the five, and you said that's exactly what John Calipari needs to do is to go small ball. If they go small ball, Jeff, then you're going to see more three point attempts because you're going to have more people getting downhill, getting the ball in the paint. Yeah, that alone is going to increase that three point attempt number if they play that style of play. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's if you're making them, that's fair. That's fair. Shoot more of them. If you're not, well, you don't want to keep shooting more of them, right? If you're a 32% three-point shoot as a team, you're not going to want to shoot 35 of them, right? Like, it's like I watch here with the Celtics in Boston. It's like, man, all they do is jack threes over and over and over. And they don't have elite three-point shooters on this team. And I think it's bit them in the ass when it's mattered you know, towards the, the, the NBA finals and, and deep in the playoffs. Because again, like Jalen Brown's not a great three-point shooter. Marcus Smart was a shitty three-point shooter, but he kept jacking him. So it's like, all right, Cal's got to figure out what the strength is of, of not only the team, but individual players. Is DJ Wagner's biggest strength shooting, you know, six, seven threes a game? I would say it's probably getting the basket from watching Wagner a lot. I would much rather see DJ Wagner go downhill, get all the way back the basket, and get to the line or finish because he can through contact. I think that's his biggest strength, not shooting six, seven threes a game. And I think this team's going to average somewhere between 23 to 26 three-point attempts a game. I think they're built that way, the the style of play that they, they ran offensively there too. But uh, you mentioned you know the youth earlier. We saw where Kentucky went the last two years with a heavy roster that was loaded full of transfers. Yeah. It, it ultimately got you and others saying that the relationship between John Calipari and Kentucky should nearing an end. So I'm not going to hammer him for going back and loading up on high school talent where he's had his most success when we saw what the transfer portal did. And Oscar Sheboy, as great as he was, Jeff, we know guard play is what wins in March. And Kentucky's lacked in that the last couple yeah. of years. I do think that this collective group of talent, maybe they don't have the alpha. Maybe they don't have the guy that's the star player in the backcourt. But I think the collection of talent that they do have is enough together to get them a better opportunity in March when they get to that point. Yeah, I mean, listen, again, I I think Reeves was the difference maker getting him back. I I do, just because of the experience. Like, you can be young, but you can't be too young these days. Because, again, 10 years ago, it was different. Let's look, let's look at who's won the national title and who's gone deep for the most part over the last six, seven, eight years. It's, it's veteran teams. So thankfully they got Reeves back and, and added Trey Mitchell, who's a nice piece. Um, I, you know, Trey Mitchell, I saw him here for a couple of years at UMass. He's good. He's old. He's old. Reeves is old. Like you got to have that. So um, yeah, I, I think with Oscar, Listen, like you said, as good as Oscar was, and I love him, man, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss his personality. I know you guys are because that kid never stopped smiling. He was great for Kentucky to get him back in a way, right, to make him relevant for the most part. But when you get to the NCAA tournament, look at it, guys. All these, these plotting bigs, they can't guard. They can't guard out there in the perimeter when you're playing against some of these, these teams, whether it's St. Peter's or some of these other low to mid major teams, it, it's it's a tough task. They put them in in situations that they're just not comfortable defensively. 
whether it was Kofi Coburn or Oscar Shibwe or, you know, uh, you know, you go through the gamut, you know, lately Baycott wasn't great last year. Defensively, he got exposed a little bit. Hunter Dickinson, Michigan, didn't make the tournament last year. Uh, we'll see what he does at, at Kansas. So I, I think, yes, but I also think he got the, you know, like Severe Wheeler to me, you need four dudes that can shoot it around Severe Wheeler. We know that. Like you just needed it. And I know his percentage was better last year, but they went under every screen. So the, the spacing sucked. So if you weren't going to get it pushing the ball in transition with Severe Wheeler, it was going to be hard in, 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 in the half court. And you saw that the second half of the year. Whether it was hurt or not, he didn't play. Uh, so uh, you, you talked about Hunter Dickinson, and, and we talked about the transfer portal. Part of your argument uh, on your offseason grade was that if had Kentucky gotten Hunter Dickinson, they would have been somewhere in the five to ten range. Now, yeah. you, as things stand right now, you say Kentucky's twenty-ish on fifteen or whatever, to thirty, fifteen, yeah, or whatever. 15. But is he not that same plotting big? Like I honestly think that hindsight, looking back at it now, I think the move had Kentucky gotten Hunter Dickinson, I think they would have been unbelievably more worse off than they are right now just because it goes so far against schematically what I I think I would have agreed more with your takes right now about point guard play and the lack of shooting things like that had they added Hunter Dickinson but because that plotting big goes to Kansas and there's now versatility and shooting at, at all five positions that Kentucky had I think it minimizes the need for a pure point guard on top of um you know kind of just changing style style in general do you know what Dickinson shot from three last year? It, it's a style of play. It, it, he did shoot slightly okay, but no, 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 no. He shot, a 40, style, a, he shot 42% from three. That's not slightly okay. But he, he's a, shown he could style of play. Oscar never style. could. Oscar couldn't step out. He couldn't do it. Hunter Dickinson got better at it. He developed as a three-point shooter. In fact, he'll probably be Kansas's best or second best three-point shooter. And that's not great because, to me, again, I, I think Kansas is going to end up going like two for 20 one game from three in the NCAA tournament. They could get knocked out. It wouldn't surprise me, even though I have him ranked number one. Dickinson, yeah, he doesn't provide rim protection. A absolutely. And that would be my worry. I would much rather have a guy who can provide some rim protection. But what he does in the offensive end, you can throw it to him down there. He can score. He can step out. He's tough. He's mean. He's experienced. So, no, no. If they had gotten Hunter Dickinson, I would have had him in the top five, clearly. I, I Just from a, a stylistic perspective, though, like I, I just – I don't know how – like Hunter – Oscar was a coin flip from 15 to 17 feet out. He was okay in that realm, but everything else made it uh, – the, the offensive production more, more of a wash because he was so poor defensively, because he had, you know, struggled in the pick and roll and all those, those struggles – I, I don't think that was getting fixed by adding Hunter Dickinson. And I, like he's I said, better defensively. He's a better defender. Not he's laterally. a better team defender. I, I, don't, I don't know, Sean. I, I, I don't think he's a better defender. Oh, he is. Trust me, he is. He's a better team defender. What, what do you make of, uh, again, ignore competition, but I think from a, a – Ball movements, just style of play, 103 assists on 142 made field goals in, in Toronto. Uh, I And again, if you look at it, the sample size of what Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, uh, Reed Shepard, what they were as 
facilitators and playmakers at every level, not just Global Jam, not just at beating people up at Camden, high-level competitive AAU play, EYBL. Uh, uh, Dillingham's assisted turnover ratio, 1.7 to 1 at OTE, 2.1 to 1 EYBL 17Us, and 2.8 to 1 Global Jam, 45-game sample size, and DJ's was 2 to 1 uh, across 56 games. I think that you're overrating the, or I guess underrating the, the, the playmaking that they do bring to the table for what, what they did across all, all, all levels. I don't, I just, again, I haven't seen them as much as some people probably in AU. When I saw them at the Peach Jam, they scared me in their decision-making. That's what I'll say. They scared me in their decision-making, but most freshmen do. I mean, again, there aren't many natural point guards anymore, right? Like, you know, Dewan Harris at Kansas is is an exception, and I'm not sure that's good either because he doesn't shoot the ball well enough. You know, so, like, he may hold them back because he doesn't shoot it enough. Um, Wagner and Dillingham just taking care of the basketball um, without having, you know, again, you look around, and, and again, it's changed since, you know, like, like obviously – with Reeves and Mitchell back, I think that gives you two stable veterans and you have them on the court a lot. You know, when I was looking at it before with a healthy Bradshaw, even that's another young dude who, again, I love Aaron Bradshaw. Like nobody's a bigger fan. I, I, in fact, I think if he plays this whole year, which I don't think he's going to, but if he's healthy, I think Aaron Bradshaw could be in the mix for the number one overall pick. I, I, I think that highly of him as far as his ceiling is concerned. But again, you're just talking about a lot of freshmen playing with freshmen. So they got to worry about themselves, right? As well as their teammates who are freshmen. That is a lot to put on Dillingham, Wagner, Shepard, whoever. That that's a lot to handle for guys at that level, especially with the pressure that comes with playing that position at Kentucky. But that's where I don't think it's going to be just one guy running that spot. I think it's going to be a combination, a collection of those three. We saw Antonio Reeves a year ago when Kentucky was thin without Cason Wallace and Savvy Wither go on the road and score 37 at Arkansas playing the point guard position. So he helps out there too, Jeff, in that spot. Yeah, listen, again, I'm not saying he doesn't take pressure off. He's not a point guard. Wagner, to me, is not a point guard. Now, again, if you want to say, hey, we're going to do it collectively without a point guard, maybe they can make that work. I would much prefer to have a guy – who, who I know I can count on to make good decisions, to make good reads. Um, in, the, in, the, in transition, they should be electric. They should be electric in transition. My worry about them is you get into a grinder in the NCAA tournament and you have to run offense. And it's not just dribble drive. It's you actually have to run some offense. Who's going to be that guy? Now, by then, maybe one of those guys will have really developed and emerged as a guy that you trust with the ball in their hands to make good decisions for their teammates. You, you brought up uh, on your show that I think one of the biggest uh, takeaways and comments that fans really just ate up quite a bit was the, the DJ Wagner to Louisville comment. I know things have obviously uh, changed dr- drastically and dramatically in the last 24 hours with the Trenton Flowers absolute fiasco. But uh, I guess what, what was even the, the, the basis on that, that Louisville would be better off with with DJ just as much as Kentucky would have better been better off without him. I mean, the dude would be the guy. He'd be, he'd, he'd play 35 minutes. He'd have the ball in his hands all the time. He'd put up huge numbers. 
um, he would be the guy because they're not good. And I don't expect him to be much better this year. You know, so like to me, you're you're one of many. And again, add Bradshaw into the mix. And you're one of many at Kentucky. Um, you know, look at even Dillingham in Canada. Like, right, didn't he come off the bench? And he played, I don't know how many minutes a game did he play in Canada? What do you have? Seven, 17 minutes a game-ish. So that could be Wagner at the end of the day. Like, they could flip roles at the end of the day, and Wagner could end up averaging 17 minutes a game when, when you know, when the season gets going or something like that. I just feel like, you know, to me, it made more sense. Go be the dude, get numbers, be drafted probably high. You might be drafted high anyway. Um, but I'll give him credit. I'll give him credit that, that he went to Kentucky – and he's going to compete. He's going to get better in practice. And he's probably going to play in the NCAA tournament. And instead of playing at Louisville, where honestly, like, they're not going to probably make the NCAA tournament. I'd be shocked. How, how, is, how is Kentucky going to be better off without DJ, though? Well, I, I just felt like, again, Dillingham and Wagner fighting, uh, like playing together, fighting for minutes. I, I felt like they – not duplicated, but they're they're a little similar in what they do best. Um, you got Shepard. You need, you know, there's just a lot of dudes there. So, like, chemistry is important too, guys. It's not just let's accumulate as much talent as we can, but it's also how it fits together. And you got a lot of miles to feed. Less now, again, without Pratchett. I keep going back to it, but a little bit less. Uh, I think it was more, to me, not – not just for me, that comment was more about DJ and saying like, I was shocked. He didn't go to Louisville with having that much on the table that he could have and run that program this year. I was shocked. And I just felt like most kids would have, would have run to that, you know, would have run to that, the opportunity to be the guy with nobody competing with you. So are you saying that he could only be the guy just because Louisville's not going to be good? Is that your your stance I'm on that? It like, would have been it would have been it would have been a, a given. But, but then again, how many how many times have we seen John Calipari with multiple guards spread the basketball around? John Wall, Eric Bledsoe, Tyler Ulis, Jamal Murray, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk. They've they've ran multiple guards and every and it feels like there's been multiple times we've gone, how's this going to work? And that it ends up working for those guys. Yeah, I don't again, I don't know. I, I you got a, you got one more than usual, you know. To me it's been more two than three. You know, Bledsoe Wall, you got more Monk and Fox. Now you have three of them and Reeves has got to play. I mean, Reeves has got to be on the court 30 plus minutes every game. Agree? His yeah, and his role to me was the the clearest of all the roles even going into the summer, I thought, because Reeves? Antonio Reeves. Yeah, I I never understood sure. why he didn't or why there was any kind of concern about him not being on this roster or maybe a fit, because to me, he's not going to have to be the primary ball handler like he had to be at times a year ago. There was a lot of shuffling around. I feel like with this roster, they have multiple guys that can run the point guard spot. Maybe it's somebody different every night early on in the season, but to me, Antonio Reeves has one role in this team, and it's to make shots. Yeah, score the best. I think I think in his mind, I'm sure he's looking at it of look at all these young dudes coming in that were highly ranked. Am I going to have a chance to be that guy? Am I going to have a chance to to be more than 
than just a guy st- sitting in the corner, you know, shooting the ball from three. That'd be my guess. And I think that's my my kickback on the portal conversation. Y'all had the portal talk that day about, well, it was disappointing that Kentucky had added, added nothing in the portal. They, they've, they've got two portal pieces on this roster, Antonio Reeves, Trey Mitchell. And we know that the, the Mitchell situation, they, they did like into. But I guess what, in your opinion, what would you what would you want Kentucky to do as a roster? Because I don't think you can ever criticize going and getting the number one recruiting class. And I know this isn't the greatest class of all time. Anyone that says that, they're, they're wrong. It's not. Right. But it's still the high school talent group that everyone in the country is picking from. And Kentucky still got the best of the best. Yeah, I think a lot of people would say that – I mean, again, the highest end high school talent you you take. You're not turning that down. But for the most part, a lot of people are saying at this point, you know, look at Jeff Borzello. I think he did a study of, of transfers compared to high school kids, and it's not even close. Um, you know, to me, it was just sitting there um, waiting on on when when again, a lot of people knew Bradshaw's injury, waiting on getting a veteran big, waiting on when there was so much uncertainty about Reeves and most people thought he was gone. Uh, let's face it. The NCAA didn't, they didn't even, I had asked them for some sort of, you know, statement or something, whether he'd be eligible or not. They couldn't even provide anything to me. They didn't know. They legitimately didn't know whether Reeves was going to be el- and, and Kentucky didn't know either until the end, whether he'd be eligible in another school or not. So at that point, to me, it's like, well, you might want to get an insurance policy in case because, man, if Reeves had left and they didn't get Trey Mitchell, yeah, this team would have been shit. It would have been shit. Seriously. Like, they would have been in major trouble this year without those two guys. I, I almost think you're undervaluing the the how non-reactionary Cal was with, with all of it because had they found an Antonio Reeves replacement, like I on Kentucky side, I had heard that they never thought from the beginning, and it could be just them hindsight and, and you know changing the narrative at the end of the day. But there was confidence on their end at the beginning that th- there was no way he was ever going to be able to leave because they just didn't think that he was going to to be eligible. So if you go find a replacement, I don't for think a there guy was that you're banking on the enough. Jack, I don't to, think there was confidence. I think en- they hoped en- yeah. enough to not go find a. SEC six man of the year replacement, like had they gone and found that guy, then it, it creates a log jam. And then, it, then you, then you got to worry. Cal clearly built this team around the freshman that he had a lot of confidence in from a fit style, from, sure. from a style of play perspective. And, and from a fit perspective, he did not want to just go get a guy for the sake of getting a guy. The closest thing you could say that w- that was was Jordan Burks and Joey Hart. And if anything, I think Kentucky, needs more of those guys. And that's kind of what fans have been waiting for end of bench guys that are going to develop over the course of multiple years. And, and, and that, that's not somebody that Cal typically has at the end of his bench. So yes, those did move quickly, but they were big long picture decisions on, on Cal's part that I, I agree with everything else that he did was this happens. Okay. Let's evaluate all of our options. Let's see what we need to go, go back to the drawing board and then, and then go when, it became clear that Chris Livingston was out and was, had one foot out the door. He didn't just say, okay, well, you know, I think Kishad Johnson was the closest he ever came to going to, to try to go get yeah. that guy. 
But then when he realized that a Thiero might be the Chris Livingston replacement the entire time from a physicality perspective and, and the versatility and playing multiple positions and all that, you know, he didn't go find the Chris Livingston replacement. He said, you know, maybe the guys I already have on my roster. And if you he would have added another guy, who's to say that wouldn't have messed up everything chemistry wise and fit wise and all that? I, I think you're undervaluing the the next level thinking in, the, in, in three, four steps down the road from a, a chemistry and fit perspective instead of just adding a body just for the sake of adding a body. Well, I wouldn't have just added a body just for the sake. I would have tried to add somebody that filled what what Reeves or what Trey Mitchell brought. Like I would have gotten a big, a veteran big ahead of, you know, ahead of time there. Um, you know, I would have gotten another shooter when I thought that Reeves might be leaving. And um, But yeah, no, listen, I – Time's going to tell with this team. Time's going to tell with this team. You know, my big question to you guys is how much how much confidence do you have right now in, in Calipari and the future of Kentucky basketball? Because that, that's something that seems to be a hot-button topic, not with me, but with the fan base there. Like, like the fan base seems very divided right now whether or not Cal can get this thing back because I believe since 2019 – Right, Kentucky's won one tournament game. I know there wasn't a tournament for a year, but you know, in that stretch, like Arkansas has been much better. Alabama's been better. You know, it, it's been one of those things where Kentucky, the expectations are obviously for Final Fours, especially under Cal with what he did early. I mean, he, he did such a ridiculously good job early setting the bar so high that nobody was going to be able to live up to that, probably. But over the last few years, it's been disappointing, especially when it matters most, which is the NCAA tournament. So, again, from your, you guys are deeper in it than I am. So, I want to throw it to you of like, where are you right now with your, your, you know, Cal meter of how your, your, your Cal confidence meter? I'm more confident now than I was eight weeks ago. And how I evaluate, and, and, and Jack and I were on this show when they had seven scholarship players. We weren't holding back. We were saying this isn't acceptable. And But now that's where I'm evaluating the overall summer. And I'm factoring in what they did in Toronto. And, yes, the competition is yeah, nowhere I'm near not, what they're going I'm to just see. I'm not with that. Well, now, the, and I'm not if evaluating. If you had come to the Bahamas with me, if you had come to the Bahamas with me and seen some of the teams, team from Bahamas, team from Puerto Rico, even the team from Lithuania, they're okay. But, you like, I just can't. I just can't give but we it. Did, we just did. We did that same tour last year and beat every team right. by fifty points. Th th this this competition was at least mid major plus at minimum. Like some of them, there were there were there were high high major their best talents, player. Wait wait. At least their Division best player. One. I've seen in person multiple times. They're, I think their best player was a kid Telford who transferred from Northeastern to Butler or one of them. I mean he he was one or two on that team, and like he's okay. He's a good player. Good mid major player. Mid-major mid plus, but it, yeah. that's better than the 46-year-old uh, hungover 100%. guys playing Baccarat the, the night before in, in the crowd, you know, in the casino. That's what Kentucky dealt with last summer, and they didn't learn anything from from that group. Like, that that was a I – mean, we, we care more about the beach than actual basketball. I know one kid went to Carlton. One kid went to University of Windsor. One kid went to Tallahassee Community College last year. One kid was uh, at Maine last year. Joel Brown, I know, he played at Cal uh, for a couple of years. They lost like a 1,000 games. And then another kid went to West Valley. So, like, I get it. Yeah, they're probably better than the team from Bahamas I just saw. I don't know how much better. 
Well, and, and my thing was, and how I evaluated the summer, and I said it on this show, I told Jack, I'm not getting caught up in wins and losses in Toronto. Like, that, those teams are not what Kentucky's going to see when they face Kansas in the Champions Classic. It's not what they're going to see when they face Miami at Rupp Arena in late November. I was looking at more so how they played. Yeah. And I'm grading Cal on the differences that I saw in a style of play and how this roster fits together. It's it's not a clunky roster like they've had the past couple of years. No. With Jacob Toppin That's and Chris true. Livingston standing side by side with Oscar Sheboy occupying the paint or Lance Ware beside him at multiple times. That's not on this roster. So that's where my evaluation was coming from. And also when it comes to the foreign tour, the previous times we saw Kentucky take these trips, it was with returning teams with a lot of experience coming back. It was the 38-1 and one team. It was the P.J. Washington sophomore year. It was the last season where Oscar Sheboy, Savir, C.J. Frederick. I was evaluating how this team looked with so many new faces, with just 10 practices, and the way that they shared the basketball, though. That's the impressive thing about it. Jack, what, what are the numbers sure. there? You've got them pulled up. I mean, it's the assist. It, it, that's where my evaluation lies. To me, well, it's one, more, 103 on 142. To me, it's more the 10 practices you got beforehand with this group, and it's more the team bonding they got over over in Canada. And, and the fact that you got Antonio Reeves with all these young kids and, and getting a chance to build that chemistry on the court a little bit and winning, and winning at a high level. I think Reeves needed that with this young group and, and and to feel good about his decision or maybe not non-decision to have to go back to Kentucky that, okay, you know what? Yeah. These guys are giving me the ball. I am the guy. Now, again, that's in Canada. We'll see what happens when the, when the real games begin. And I don't mean the real games, meaning the bye games. I mean, the real games begin, you know, against in the champions classic, or like you said, Miami or, you know, in, in sec play, that's going to be the key for this team. How well they share the ball is going to be pivotal. You know, obviously, yes. Better sign that they did it in Canada than they didn't do it in Canada? Of course. Absolutely. But I'm not putting a ton of stock in it. Yeah, another thing, I know we're, we're kind of on our home stretch here, but uh, two other uh, added pieces that I don't think, I think uh, kind of get lost in translation, the addition of Chuck Martin, new uh, assistant, highly respected John Welch unbelievably respected the NBA ranks. I think that's something that, uh, at least from a, a trust perspective and in, in bouncing new ideas off cows, I, I think it got a little stagnant there for, for a minute with you know people not really giving combating takes and, and, and giving him that kind of feedback that he was looking for uh, in, uh, in practice. And I think that's been a, a huge addition uh, on that front. But I think how quickly he was able to put nine different – faces together brand new never been apart and, and get the chemistry where it needs to be above all else these dudes like each other you hear nothing uh, you you didn't hear that with last year's group they were okay they kind of liked each other but they weren't best friends they weren't you know spending excess time together off the floor you're hearing that about this group and I think that's a, a an underrated skill that Cal has always had and I think part of the reason why he's been so confident this offseason when making these big picture decisions about this roster he doesn't want to mess that up by adding a guy just for the sake of doing it. So I, I underrated Listen. additions where the coach coaching staff and just his ability to make things fit together seamlessly. Nobody does it better than Cal in terms of figuring things out like that with egos, with high end talent. Nobody, nobody does a better job of kind of figuring it out. And again, like, I think I don't worry about him figuring that part of it as much as I worry about, again, just them being young and, and, 
some of the weaknesses, you know, again, we'll go back to it, the perimeter shooting other than, than Reeves, somebody's going to have to step forward and be a proven shooter um, on this team. Uh, but yeah, no, Cal's like, that's his biggest strength is managing people, managing egos. He's unbelievable at that time and time again, he's done it. I don't think I worry about that as much. Like if Dillingham's coming off the bench, yeah, I think he'll figure it out. Like Dillingham may not be happy if he's playing 17 minutes a game, but I think Cal will figure it out because he's done it and he could show Dillingham, you know, listen, Anthony Davis, look at how many shots he got. We want it all, blah, 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 blah. Like there's enough, there's enough areas he can look to for for proof to, to be able to show these kids like just wait your turn and you're going to be fine. Right, let's get out of here with get you out of here with this. What is something that this team can do uh, this season to make you kind of take a step back and go, I was wrong. Is there is there something that they could show you this season beyond just, you know, going to the final four? Is there something that this team can show you that you that you say, OK, I got this one wrong when you go back and look big picture. What what Kyle did this offseason? Um, I mean, I, I think it's probably the guards. You know, like defense is going to be interesting too, um, but I think it'll be those guards, you know, Wagner and Dillingham. If they're playing um, and sharing the ball and making quality decisions, this team, man, they could be really, really, really effing good. Like that's the key to me as much as anything. Uh, if they start playing hero ball or they're inefficient um, and, and and turning the ball over and taking poor uh, shots, then I, I worry about this team. How's that? Because I don't think Reeves is that guy. I think, like you said, Sean, Reeves has to be more score. Wired to score, not wired to, to distribute. Yeah, he might play. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A little more point than, than he, he's used to playing in his career, uh, but it's on. To me, Dillingham and Wagner and Shepard to some degree, because I think Reed's going to have the ball in his hand some too. I just, I don't know how you play all these guys. You know, I think they're all going to play because you're not the deepest team in the world. Um, although you have added some, some bodies here lately. Sean, is there anything else you want to jump, jump on there with? No, I, I think that that's, that's what I was wanting to know is, is what, what it would take to, to kind of change your mind. So do, do you think that this team has final four potential, Jeff, if, if those things do play out the way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't know if they can win six straight. Um, but, but honestly, if I'm Kentucky right now, just like get to the second weekend and then anything can happen, you know, for all these teams, it's, it's the same deal, right? We just saw FAU go to the final four and San Diego state go to the national title game. That's the other part we haven't talked about here, guys, is these freshmen, they're going up against old dudes right now because of the extra COVID year. It's not normal right now for the next year still or, or two, whatever it is that they have another COVID year. It's not normal. And that's why I think these freshmen aren't making as big of an impact as they have traditionally is because they're playing against 23, 24 year olds. A lot of them that are coming back. Armando Baycott's back guys for a fifth year. Why? Because again, he's a big, who can make more money playing right now for NIL than he can 
playing, trying to make an NBA team. So I think that's part of it is just, again, like the, the differentiator between a freshman and, and these COVID um, super seniors, whatever the hell you want to call them, is it, so big right now. As Cal went old, the, the results kind of took a step back. So while everybody else is yinging, I think he's going to try to yang and we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Cal going back to his, his old traditional cow ball dribble drive. We'll, we'll see how it works. Uh, Jeff, you've been a great sport, man. We appreciate you coming on and um, you know, t- taking not just softball questions and, and having to, to listen. I love you guys. Answer you know that. No, I love, I love what you guys do. I do. You're passionate. Um, you guys work your asses off. And, and again, um, 99.9 of the Kentucky fans are awesome. They are. Now, there, there's – and you've met them. You, you, you've seen them on Twitter. There's that small, small minority that's vocal, not just Kentucky fans, a lot of them, Arizona fans, Kansas fans, whatever it is, that, that give the fan base a bad, uh, a bad name. But, again, love the passion. Um, can't wait to see what this Kentucky team does this year. Because I do think that's one of the beauties of this team this year. We don't know, right? Like it could go kind of either way, or, or they could they could make the Final Four. They could get bounced in the first round. I don't think they'll not be a, a tournament team. I think they're a locked tournament team this year. I, I really with Reeves and Mitchell, like they're not going to have a bad year now. But but could they be a first weekend exit again? Yeah, maybe. Or they could get to the Sweet Sixteen, or they could get to the Final Four. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot of high-powered teams, guys. You know, I was just at Duke watching them practice. They're good. I mean, they're they're very good, but they're not unbeatable by any means. Again, like I said with Kansas, they have a major weakness, perimeter shooting, major weakness. They're going to be great defensively, but can they shoot it well enough to win six straight? I, I don't – somebody's going to, you know, somebody's going to emerge. Last year, UConn, when I went to UConn preseason, I remember talking to Danny Hurley. And uh, we were like, you know, are, are you are you a top 25 team even at that point? Legitimately, like nobody knew how good they were going to be. They win the whole thing. Yeah, we, we hope for a, a similar uh, a similar result yeah, that, that UConn was able to make happen. Jeff, I appreciate you coming on. And we uh, very much hope that you are wrong at the end of the day. All right. There you go. Most most <laughs> Kentucky right. fans do. If, if you want to jump off, we got we got some uh, bills to pay, but we appreciate you coming on, Jeff. You got it. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Well, the Sources Say podcast is also brought to you by uh, our friend Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Looking for a side hustle while working your current job, wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy? Andy can help. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership. You can learn more and contact Andy, anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, Sean, we got a couple more to get to, but uh, just to not make this a an ad-heavy closing. Y- your thoughts, big, big takeaways on on the conversation with Jeff? I mean, I, I thought it went the way I expected, back and forth. That's what we wanted. I mean, we had our talking points. He had his talking points. But, I mean, in the end, like I, I feel like there was a lot of things that Jeff said that kind of c- contradicted himself. And that was the whole reason why I wanted him on this show. And I, I think that we're still in that in that spot with he, he's contra- contradicted himself a lot when it comes to the backcourt and the the comment about DJ Wagner. Like 
if DJ Wagner can go to Louisville and be the guy, why can't he be the guy at Kentucky? And if, and, and to me too, like he just admitted that Louisville's not a good team. But then again, in arguing that Kentucky's a good team because they got so many guys. Well, if you got a lot of guys, then you have a chance to be pretty good if it all comes together. And who has been better at blending personalities than John Calipari? Yeah, and I think big picture, his concerns and our things to give Cal and the staff credit for, I think are only things that can be shown in regular season format. It's like yeah. we, we, we base our excitement and thinking positively about the, the outlook of this team based on what we saw in, in Toronto and what we've heard behind the scenes and, you know, think conversations we've had with different people around the program, non-tangible things to hang on to and say, well, that's why we're going to be successful this season. So uh, yes, it's it's fun to get excited about Toronto. I think there's more to take away than I think Jeff was giving credit for as yeah. we talked ex- extensively about just from a style perspective. I don't like I said on the show as it was happening, it could be five on zero, Sean. It was how they're playing, taking out the long twos, uh, you know, maximizing paint touches and kickouts and, and all of the little things that lead to good ball movement and high chemistry basketball. That's that was my takeaway, and I think that wasn't something he gave enough credit for. But I also don't blame him because it's still Toronto, and it's we still have to wait until October, November to to see it in live action to matter. Yeah, there there was a reason we said that going into that trip. I kept saying I'm not getting caught up in the results. I'm getting caught up in how they play the game, and what I saw in Toronto, and I've said this over and over again, and this will be the last time I say it because now we're going to start transitioning into the season. And then the next time we start breaking things down, it'll be actual games. But what I saw from Kentucky that on that trip was a willingness to do it together. And I kind of like that. Maybe there's not the, the alpha dog that there's not the guy. Mm-hmm. I like the blend. I like that. They have really good players, but he also said that Aaron Bradshaw is a guy that he could see being a number one pick. He's high on Justin Edwards that he said on the field of 68. Like there's two dudes that could be NBA draft picks. He, he mentioned that DJ Wagner might go, get highly drafted anyhow well if, if, if that, all those things happen and Kentucky has guys get drafted Kentucky's gonna be really damn good that's just that's how I see it we'll see him in uh, Chicago at Champions Classic that's probably the first time you and I will get to, to see Jeff together and mm-hmm. uh, I look forward to it like uh, we'll see where this thing goes we yeah. will evaluate this thing when it actually matters and that's when the ball is tipped in November and Kentucky's playing who many think is a final four contender national championship threat in Kansas. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was good, man. I, I, I not, no pun intended, but I appreciate him coming on. He was a great sport. Uh, let's get out of here real quick with a couple quick notes. Uh, our very, very good friends at bird dogs are back. Bird dogs make you look good. Uh, their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Their shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better, uh, better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Uh, bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches you so you can get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice move movement. Uh, go to birddogs.com slash KSR or enter promo code KSR for a free uh, tech hat, which I absolutely love. Sean, I don't know, I don't know if you have that handy on you, but the tech hat, tech hat is awesome. That's birddogs.com slash KSR or promo code KSR for a free tech hat with your purchase. Uh, you don't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And, and as you can see, I, Sean, I wear, I wear my bird dogs 
literally everywhere I go on the golf course. I mean, I'm my, my shorts are there. I'm having a, a good afternoon with family tonight and I'm not changing. I'm wearing this and going straight out because of how much I love this stuff. Uh, Sean, I know you, you're, you're like me that it, it's very difficult to take this stuff off because it is absolutely the best. Yeah. I, I wore my bird dogs polo to Kentucky football media day a couple weeks ago. And uh, I love the material. Uh, I actually looking at some of the others and you can, uh, you can go on their website and, and see all the options they have in polos. They got pants, they got shorts. The names are my favorite part. When you go through some of the names and stuff uh, on bird dogs, like you got the, the Marco Polo, like, I mean, that's pretty cool stuff. Like I, I'm a big fan of it. And we I also appreciate it. Go for it. Well, I was going to say, I'm, I'm a fan forever with bird dogs. And I'm also a fan forever uh, of Game Time, the, the app. We we told you to get the app last uh, last week. It, awesome stuff. We appreciate their partnership. Never again, Sean, do you have to be stressed out about ticket sales again. I, I said this last week. I, it was so frustrating to go through the Dave Chappelle experience of having to sit through the queue of Ticketmaster and uh, deal with just the lines and the, the frustrations that come with that. You never have to worry about that stuff again uh, with game time. They are absolutely incredible. No more last minute hunting down the best price, competing with other buyers. Uh, you should not have to feel stressful, uh, stressed out during, during that process. Game, game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. Their app is absolutely the easiest I've ever dealt with. You don't have to uh, deal with lines and queues and all that stuff. It tells you exactly where you're going. It, it gives you a, a view from your seat, which I think is the best experience. I love when you can just swipe across the top, the last second lightning deals. That's absolutely the best. Uh, you, you just won't find a better ticket, uh, a, a ticket resource out there. They're, they're the best. Uh, have you gotten the chance to purchase anything yet with your, your game time uh, ticket experience? I have not got a chance, but someone texted me as soon as our episode ended last week. And they're like, what was that app? And they bought tickets to the season opener of Kentucky football using the code, the promo code that we have. And I sent you that text message. Somebody literally is like, hey, I need, I'm wanting to get football tickets. What was that app? So, no, the game time app, we, we talked about it. It's the cleanest. I am going to get some Reds tickets very, very soon, though. And because they're still in a playoff hunt. I know they're not playing well, great right now, but I'm still I'm still looking for the division. Well, the game time guarantee means that you will always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Anywhere else, game time will credit you 110% of the dif difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images from your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect. Uh, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps. It, it was almost like too real as I was going through. It was like, Purchase right now. You're ready to go. And I was like, oh, wow, I, I'm going to commit myself to something I wasn't even ready for, which sometimes you, you need that extra kick in the butt to, to, to do life experiences like that. So make sure you make that happen. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code KSR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code KSR for $20 off. Uh, download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Sean Smith, this was a blast. I appreciate you uh, doing this show with me and, and debating Jeff Goodman. He's uh, a great sport and, uh, you know, all, all, he's always been good to us in person. Kind of eats up the Kentucky hater shtick a little bit and fans buy into that. And, you know, we, we knew it was going to be a polarizing topic when we had uh, Jeff on the show, but he was a good sport about it. I thought, um, you know, 
backed some of the stuff he set up, but I think also Kentucky fans are justified in their frustration. Uh, on the other side, where uh, the, the proof will be in the pudding when the regular season starts here in the, in the next couple months, but uh, appreciate him coming on nonetheless. Absolutely. I, I appreciate it too. And uh, like you said, he's been good to us. We've had plenty of conversations, us three together. We'll have plenty moving forward, but it, it was fun to get on here and, and debate how we see it, how he sees it. And uh, the reaction that I'm getting, I don't know if I don't know if I would have ever predicted this, Jack, but the overwhelming support for John Calipari is pretty impressive from where it was at one point just a few months ago. Like there was a lot of people coming to Cal's defense and Kentucky's defense, and I don't know if I would have said that eight weeks ago. Uh, one of, among the comments, Sean needs a Frederick Douglass bird dogs polo. Bingo! I do. I really do. Like that. That's a partnership. That is. That's a that partnership. A, that would be. That is a partnership that absolutely. Hey, it's Jeff. I know Jeff. Great comment, Jeff. That's a really good idea. Well, let's get out of here. I know fans have been hanging on, and we appreciate them. Hang, uh, you know, we we saw we felt the the support throughout the show, so we appreciate uh, all of their comments, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll try to be less uh, polarizing next time. We'll try not to be be as controversial with uh, who we're bringing on. I know fans like we're we're in the dog days, the the bird dog days of the uh, summer, and and we're you know trying to create new and, and different content that fans will will like and i know that was one that was kind of a an iffy one but he did a great job and uh, i think i think uh we thank our listeners as always for tuning in and giving us our support that we appreciate so sean let's get out of here where can fans find your work you can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me at gbb country Find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for the Jam Pack Sources Day podcast. We will see you then. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.